Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. We welcome you to this, our second episode of this new radio series. And today, what I'd like to share with you you is what you can expect to hear on this radio show. So let me start off with two things not to expect, okay? Number one is private revelation. Uh, There is a place for private revelation in Catholic thinking and theology, but it is, so to speak, the caboose in the uh, prophecy train there are other things that take a great, greater importance and a greater priority. And although I've been studying prophecy for 40 years, I'm not yet qualified to comment or interpret private revelation. I think the Vatican does a great job with that, and I'll just leave that in Rome. So I am not going to be discussing private revelation on this radio show. Number two— we are not going to be setting any dates. Uh, I can remember a priest around, oh, the, just before the year 2000, uh, made quite a few very startling predictions that were, many of which, very easy to believe. But I remember when he threw in there that he thought Christ would be returning on the year 2000 or by the year 2000, and then all of a sudden a little bell went off. We don't know the date. And this radio show isn't a Catholic version of the psychic hotline where we make predictions about when the world's going to end. We can't do that. So we're not going to have private revelation commented on. The Vatican does a great job of approving private revelation and commenting on it, nor are we going to be setting any dates. Okay, so all right, well, if that's not what to expect, what can we expect? And here are four things. Number one is Scripture. We're going to spend uh, a lot of time directly engaging in Scripture, and here's my goal, and might be a little different from something uh, you may have experienced so far. Uh, I've done a lot of conference speaking, along with a lot of other people, and even teaching Scripture, and when you're doing this in a lecture form, so to speak, you're giving the results to people, and they appreciate that. But I'd like to take that a step further in this series and actually give you a firsthand understanding of the prophetic scriptures. In other words, you could open up your Bible, uh, find First and Second Thessalonians, for instance, and understand what those two letters from the Apostle Paul are talking about and how they relate, for instance, to the Catechism of the Catholic Church and the historic teaching of the Church Fathers. I want you to have not only the end result of Bible teaching, but the process, how you can get there yourself. I want that Bible to become yours, so to speak. Now, we're not going to go unaided in our interpretation of Scripture. The reason there are so many Protestant denominations and the same reason there are so many different views of biblical prophecy is that, you know, when you try to do it all by yourself, and especially if you cut off church history and the church fathers from your understanding, 
you can go almost anywhere. And so we want to be guided in our study, and therefore, along with the scriptures, we're going to be depending on the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and I'm going to be sharing with you a very easy but highly effective way to use the Catechism of the Catholic Church to understand some of those difficult passages of Scripture relating to biblical prophecy. That's two, the Catechism. Number three, papal teaching. We'll be looking at what the popes taught in their encyclicals uh, and their other writings. And also, you should just, I'm just trying to put it out here. I'm not hiding anything. Uh, I have been mining the Advent sermons of popes because the Catholic Church has a whole season of the year before Christmas devoted to those scriptures uh, teaching about both the first and the second advent, the second coming of Christ. And so I really enjoy going back and studying some of the advent sermons of St. John Paul II uh, and Benedict XVI. And along with Benedict XVI's advent sermons, I'm also mining from his book, or books, I should say, Jesus of Nazareth, because when you get into different sections of those volumes, you find very rich teachings on prophetic scriptures. So we got the scriptures, the catechism, papal teaching, and then fourth, church fathers. And just where I'm coming from, you've already heard the announcer say that uh, we're basically following the footsteps of St. Augustine in our prophetic teaching, and that's true. But not just St. Augustine, I'm very taken with the teaching of St. Jerome, St. Chrysostom, St. Thomas Aquinas, and there's a lot of other just fascinating things in church history. Just a for instance, do you know that there's a third century Catholic theologian who wrote a short treatise on Christ and the Antichrist. It's one of the earlier or uh, Christian writings we have on a prophetic subject in all of church history. And he was a Catholic living in Rome. And do you know, he also wrote a complete commentary on the prophet Daniel. And Daniel's very hard to understand. Wouldn't it be fascinating to be able to go back over 1,700 years in history to the third century and find somebody who knew, like St. Irenaeus, who in turn knew St. Polycarp, who in turn knew St. John. I mean, we're talking about a pretty fairly short chain here, right back to the Apostle John. And his commentary on the prophet Daniel is probably the oldest complete commentary in existence, Christian commentary. And we're going to be covering things like that. So it's a lot of uh, exciting things to discover. So those are the four things, scripture, catechism, papal teaching, church fathers. Let me tell you one or two unexpected things that we'll be covering. And these are very important. The first thing and don't go Googling this because I'm not aware of anybody has actually used this term yet. I'm going to be talking about what I call eschatology of the body. Uh, very popular right now, several books and broadcasts and conferences and seminars on the theology of the body. But let me just um, 
take you back in my life uh, and then bring it forward to today. Uh, my first try at college, I attended the University of Florida, and uh, my friends and I rented an apartment in the wildest part of town called Sin City, and it was aptly named. And you might think, why? Why would anybody want to live there? Well, I was nuts and didn't have Christian orientation guiding me at that time. But I want you to know that today, all of us are living in Sin City. The sexual revolution, which maybe uh, was making its inroads in college campuses a number of decades ago, has now pervaded our culture, our media, our educational systems, our society morals. And if you have children, teenagers, or young adults, it's full court press. Hear me. We are all living in Sin City. So what are we to do? Well, you know, in the teaching of the theology of the body today, I would guesstimate that about 90% of the presentations of the theology of the body neglect to emphasize and make primary the eschatology of the body. And what's that? Well, I'm just going to give you some hints here. But you know, in the Roman Empire, when Jesus ascended to heaven, the apostles went out, particularly St. Paul, and he had all of these pagans he tried to uh, evangelize. And after he evangelized them, he had to make them faithful disciples of Christ. Well, there was one particular sin city in the Roman Empire, and that's the city of Corinth. You see, this isn't the first time that Catholics have lived in Sin City. Now, the theology of the body does a good job in attempting to bring truth to bear as we are all living in Sin City today. But we also need the eschatology of the body, because the eschatology of the body is what St. Paul used in Corinth. That's what he used in the sin city in a sinful pagan empire to bring these new Catholics to live a morally pure life. You know, Corinth had a thousand prostitutes working 24-7, and it was just a huge degenerate place. And yes, Catholics were falling into the sexual sin of their city, and St. Paul used the eschatology of the body to pull them out. And just to give you a hint, St. Paul's eschatology of the body is explained in the longest chapter in the New Testament. Of all the chapters in the New Testament, the longest is devoted to to the subject of the eschatology of the body. And it's just a very big hint on just how important this is. And we'll be covering this because eschatology isn't just like this curious looking into date setting and all this other type of thing. To truly understand the prophetic scriptures should be a sobering 
wake-up call to live a faithful life in Christ. And the eschatology of the body is something that is needed every bit as much in the 21st century as it was by St. Paul in the first. And that's one thing that we'll be covering. Uh, The second thing we're going to be covering is called realized eschatology. And um, that's just a fancy term. I'm going to be explaining that next time. Just in the Jewish view of the end times, basically history went along, and then the Messiah came, and you had the Messianic age. So it was kind of a twofold view of the future. And then there's the New Testament surprise. History was going along. The Messiah came, uh, often unrecognized, but it wasn't the Messianic age that everybody was expecting, kind of like the end of Earth's history as we know it, but it did launch a period of the last days in which you and I are living right now. And what the Jews were expecting for the future age is now present. And yet millions of Protestants and Catholics are wandering around this world. Whatever they're expecting the future Messianic age to be, a huge chunk of that is present today, right in front of our noses. And if you're trying to teach young people how to resist peer pressure and cultural pressure, you're going to want to join us next week as we talk about realized eschatology in the ancient church of Thessalonica. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode number two of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.